that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. As I said at the beginning of Mass, we come together to celebrate the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. This is a mystery that has been revealed to us by God of his innermost being. And I took a class called Trinitarian Theology, and we learned all kinds of stuff. We read all kinds of writers that have speculated about what this means to believe in one God, but revealed as three persons. And one of the, and one of the things that we were taught was that you can attribute everything to the Son that you can attribute to the Father, except the Father is the Father and the Son is the Son. And you can do that to the Holy Spirit as well. And after a while, your head's just about ready to explode. So I'm not going to stand up here and try to expound on the theology of the Trinity. But let's be clear about something. God revealed his nature to us. So he wants us to know that he is one God in three persons. And there must be something about that relationship that exists in the Trinity that's important for us. And so let, I'm going to delve into two aspects of that. So the first aspect is, as I said, God is revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the unity that exists between those three persons means that we can refer to them as one God. And what is that unity? Well, it's the fact that God is love. And so the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. The Father and Son love the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit loves the Father and the Son. And that community of love is so perfect, because we are talking about God, is so perfect that it has united them together as one. We talk about we can talk about some analogies, but I think the analogy the church upholds for us is the analogy of when a man and a woman enter in the sacrament of matrimony, committing to themselves for the rest of their lives as husband and wife. We hear this analogy in the marriage ceremonies, how the two will become one flesh. And so the love that exists between the husband and the wife mirrors that of the love of the Trinity. However, it does it very imperfectly because 
on the one hand, we're talking about God, and on the other hand, we're talking about two sinners trying to love one another to the best of their ability. But this is, this is what we are talking about. The unity of the Trinity is based on the fact that God loves and the fact that he is love. We can talk about how we love each other. We can talk about the love that a husband and wife give to one another, parents give to their children, grandparents their grandchildren, on and on and on. But we're talking about the action of love. God, on the other hand, loves because he is love. And he is the perfection of love. And that perfection, of course, is, is reached in the relationship that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's another aspect about the Trinity that I think is important for us to, to meditate on. There seems to be an aspect of the love in the Trinity that requires ascending forth. So we heard in today's gospel reading one of the most famous scripture verses in all the Bible, famous probably because starting somewhere, I want to say, in the mid-1980s, you just about couldn't turn on a football game without seeing someone in an end zone holding up a sign that said John 3.16. And of course, we heard John 3.16 at the beginning of today's gospel reading. God so loved the world that he gave us his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. The love that exists in the Trinity caused the Father to send the Son into creation. And as it goes on in John 3:17, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So this sending of the Son is because of the love that exists in the Trinity. And that love extended to what God had created, extended to all of us, wanting to redeem that creation. And the Son wasn't just sent, but he entered into creation through the overshadowing of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Mary was able to conceive the Son of God in her womb and gave birth and named him Jesus. So that God has sent his son to enter into creation, to become one of us. That's how much that he loves us. That's how much he desires us to be with him. And we all know the story of Jesus, his, his mission of preaching and teaching the good news, and of course about his sacrifice, giving up his life on the cross, and then of course being raised from the dead, and ascending once again to the Father. God continues to enter into creation to make his presence known to us. He sends, for example, the Holy Spirit that we celebrated last week at Pentecost. And he sends the Holy Spirit whenever someone is brought forth to be baptized in this font 
First the Holy Spirit comes down and sanctifies the waters of the font, but secondly the Holy Spirit comes down and takes up residence in that newly baptized Christian. God makes his presence known to us with the Holy Spirit existing in each and every one of us, guiding us on the right path, assisting us to know what is the good choice, the moral choices that we face in our life, ultimately leading us to heaven. When we think about this sending forth, Well, that was one of the last things that Jesus did before he ascended to heaven. He told his disciples, go out to all the world and spread the good news, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And know that I am with you always until the end of the ages. And so Jesus sends us forth out of the love that he has for us and out of the love for the people that will be, we will encounter as we express our faith. We have an opportunity to be sent forth in just exactly one week. Next weekend, we celebrate Corpus Christi Sunday, a celebration of the most holy body and blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Archbishop has asked parishes to consider having a Eucharistic procession that day, and we are going to do that here at Our Lady. We will, at the conclusion of the 11 a.m. Mass, we will exit the doors of the church and come down Scheller and head into our neighborhood over here, eventually working our way onto Charlestown Road and processing south back to Scheller into here. Basically a, uh, basically a three-mile walking procession where the monstrance will be held with the, ho- the consecrated host in it. But think about this for a moment. There are times when I felt jealous of not being able to walk with Jesus as his apostles did, but if we believe in the real presence is in that host, we will be walking with Jesus. We will be expressing our faith that our Lord is with us in a very real way in that consecrated host. But here's the thing. For Jesus to walk among us, it requires us, his ministers, to carry that host. For us, for Jesus to be able to pray, give praise and thanksgiving to his heavenly Father during that procession, it requires the voices of all who will be walking with Jesus. And so, on the one hand, it is our expression of our faith in the Eucharist, but on the other hand, it is an opportunity for us to be with our Lord as we walk through our town. My dear friends, God revealed that mystery of the Trinity to us to show us how perfect love can be, the love that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus wants us to be that unified together. He wants us to be one as he is one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And one day when he welcomes us into his heavenly kingdom, 
we will enter that community that exists between Father, Son, and Spirit. We will experience their unity, but most especially for all eternity, we will experience their love.